Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. I was just on with our phenomenal guest this morning, and I was having a hard time for some reason get, getting connected uh, to the show this morning. But I want to welcome everybody to Off the Shelf this morning, and we have a wonderful guest on deck for you. But before we get to uh, introducing you to our guest this morning, I want to drop this thought from Tina Turner into your spirit. You know, I started doing this several months ago, and the thought today is whatever is bringing you down, get rid of it, because you'll find that when you're free, your true self comes out. And, you know, a lot of times, I know for me, it's fear. It's a fear of what somebody else is going to think, Fear. Generally, that is it. You know, being afraid. What would they think if I fail? If I made a mistake? Sometimes on a job, or they let you, let me go. But it's it's fear that holds us back. So whatever is bringing you down, get rid of it. And sometimes it's a relationship where somebody just keeps keeps you uncertain about yourself because they keep criticizing you or pointing out your mistakes. Whatever is bringing you down, get rid of it. Because you'll find that when you're free, your true self comes out. You just might have to move on and away from some situations. And wouldn't she know? And that's Tina Turner. So I want to welcome you again to this Saturday, April the 14th. You guys, we are coming into the middle of the month. So welcome, welcome, welcome to our April the 14th off-the-shelf show. And if you just joined us, you are absolutely tuned to the right show. This is the winning book radio show off the shelf, which you're listening to. And there's still time for you to go tell your family, your friends, colleagues, and book lovers everywhere to tune in to off the shelf right now before we start with today's special guest. But the next thing I want to ask you is how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can figure out who done it before the author reveals it? And I ask you that because there's a murder mystery that cloaks Raymond Clark and his friend's life and the book Love Pour Over Me. Now, another thing I want to ask you is do you value relationships, not just uh, like a lifelong romantic relationship that was meant to be because it's going to impact the two people and everybody they come in contact with, but also the relationship between a parent and a child and between friends, we all influence each other, almost like we're all sculptures helping to mold each other uh, into different, with different experiences, different influences we have on each other. If you value those things, they're happening even now to you, whether you realize it or not. If you value those things, I think you will love Love for Over Me. And it's an ebook and print copy, and you can get it just anywhere Walmart, ebook it, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. If you don't see it in print in the bookstore, just go up to the clerk and tell them you want to order a copy of Love for Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So I hope you'll go out and get a copy of Love for Over Me. You can get an ebook copy for just like $3. And let me know how you enjoy the book. And now, let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest. And today's off the shelf guest, and you guys, we've been doing this for over 13 years. 
and we have had some phenomenal guests on. I love what's come of so many of our guests. They have gone on to do tremendously well. Some have TV shows regionally. Some are on international television. We've had a number of New York Times best-selling authors on the show, and so we're adding this this author to that prestigious list. And our special author chef guest this morning is Tracy Booker. Now, Tracy is the author of the book Sister to Sister, a guide for African American girls. As many as twenty-two authors share her voice in the book. Topics covered in Sister to Sister include self-esteem, abuse obesity, dating and relationships, and personal image. And the book is included in the Professional Women Network's library. Tracy Booker is the owner of the Wisdom Speaks blog. She is also the president and CEO of Tracy Booker Enterprises. And as if that isn't enough, Tracy is executive director of Metamorphosis Incorporated. We want to definitely touch on that. It's a faith-based, nonprofit, female-focused service organization and Tracy has a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and a Master's of Science in Human Behavior. She is pursuing a doctorate in Human and Social Services. And you can check Tracy Booker out online. She kept it so simple, you guys, at TracyBooker.com, and that's spelled T-R-A-C-E-Y-B-O-O-K-E-R.com. Again, that's T-R-A-C-E-Y-B-O-O-K-E-R.com. ER.com, Tracy with an E, TracyBooker.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Tracy. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you. Glad to it be is here. just a blessing to have you here with us. For each of our guests over the 13 years, and we've had hundreds of guests on our show, I'll always mm-hmm. learn something from each of our guests. So I'm, I'm just excited to see what you will share with us. Uh, during today's show. Now, the first few questions, Tracy, I ask every guest so our listeners get a little backstory on our guests before I just launch right into the interview. So, to begin, I um, want to ask you can you please tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Sure, I can. I'm an East Coast girl. I grew up in a little town called Newcastle, right outside of Wilmington, in the, the little tiny state of Delaware, um, <laughs> many years ago. And um, I'll be honest with you, I grew up uh, during the 60s and the 70s. Those were my childhood years, and they were some of the best years of my life. Um, I grew up through during the um, civil rights era, I would say, because there's so many things that I can remember honestly from from the assassination of John Kennedy, President John Kennedy, to the assassination of uh, Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy, and then rolling from out of that decade into the 70s and that whole whirlwind of the goodness of the 70s. So um, I definitely um, have lived through a lot of very significant uh, times within our history, and especially for African-American people. And um, also, when I think about growing up there, I also think about the the flavor of the East Coast because there's, to me, just no place within the United States like it. 
so close to Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and just having all of those wonderful influences that have aided in, you know, cultivating and creating me to be the person that I am today. Um, Like I say, life was good. I'm the oldest of two children, Um, came up in a very religious uh, type home. And and I, I should say, when I say religious, we went to church you know, every Sunday, and, and my grandfather was my pastor, so on and so forth, and um, that was very important to us, as well as education and just a number of things, just just a wonderful life. Okay, okay. Delaware, and I know where that is because I lived in <laughs> Philadelphia, and it's it's cold. Mm-hmm. It is a quieter Delaware is, is it's a it's a quieter place to me, and it's a yeah. welcoming quietness. Uh, I, I, yeah. I my experience <laughs> when I went there. What did you dream of becoming when you were a child, Tracy? Actually, I I thought that I would be a school teacher. I really did, oh, and even until, yeah, even until I entered into uh, college, um, I, I had a couple of things. Going on at, at age 18, um, my mother was an educator, and then on my mother's side of the family, we were kind of inundated educators uh, from from K through 12. We I don't think we had any any professors um, or college instructors on that side of the family. That would come on my father's side of the family, and. Um, it may have been even a little bit of unexpected, but nevertheless, I did. I dreamt of becoming a school teacher, or at one point a speech pathologist. And I thought about that, mm. and I ended up, yeah. So uh, I ended up changing my thoughts about the whole communications piece, and became a communications major after dropping the secondary education major, Um, and so I became radio, TV, and film as my specialization in communications. So that's where that Bachelor of Arts uh, comes in at. And you've even gone, uh, (laughs) you transitioned from there more to the human and social services so you wanted to be, a, mm-hmm. your mother was a teacher, you wanted to be a teacher. Then it, now it sounds like you're going more towards, uh, the well, it's still teaching with the communications yeah. uh, part of it as well. So still staying on that track, but more as a, and teaching has helped, is a, is a, is a service helping profession as well. But sort of you kind of went on, on a different path. Now how old were you when you knew and, and before I, this question popped into my head, based on your work that you've done, um, mm-hmm. just a little sidetracking, have you found, because during our, the interviews here, I'm noticing this, not with all of our guests, but several, have you found that most people, what they want to do when they're a child and they still want to do when they're an adult, is what their parent, one or more of their parents did? Well, I'm not really sure about that. Um, I, I honestly don't have a conclusive answer for you. Um, I, like I say, I believe my influences came from not only my mother, but certainly uh, various ones in, in, in my family. Um, I do have friends who, who have continued to do the same thing at, as at least one of their parents. 
Yeah, and and you know, I I never really thought about that. Okay. So that, that okay. Really, so that was just yeah, a question. Yeah, could Yeah. Mhm. How old were you when you knew you just absolutely knew you wanted to be a writer? Believe it or not, um, I wrote my my first piece, and I'll I'll say it this way: my first literary piece at age seven. I was in second grade. Wow! Um, right, and I and I don't know whatever happened to that little little book that I I wrote and had maybe four or five pages in it, and I remember it being about um, a little girl named Lisa. But I I created that for show and tell in my second grade class on Fridays we had show and tell. So it was something that I wanted to to that that's when it, it, it got kind of moving within. But as far as becoming an author and really concentrating on it as a uh, promising profession or even even a hobby didn't come really until my adult years, and that came as a result of having to write so much, um, be it for school or college or at the time that I was uh, in my early 20s, I was doing a lot of church work. So I was doing a lot of committee work. I I did a lot of note-taking. I did a lot of of, um, minutes. I, I exercised as as um, secretary, that kind of thing. So I began to look at my what I was writing and what I was creating, and it was beginning to really look good to me, honestly. <laughs> and that, that's, yeah, and that's, that's where that, that began to build up in me. And, and, and then I, I found out just by way of life experiences that I had a voice that needed to be heard. I had some, had things, to share that was going to be able to help someone else. And that's that's how that all came about. Ah, okay, okay. So mm-hmm. a, a, a natural a natural transition. I was going to ask you who or what inspired and birthed, uh, you said a lot of work that you were doing, a lot of writing that you were doing in, in and out of the church. That sort of is what inspired or birthed you to pursue uh, the the writing avenue. Now you've also worked. You work outside, you know, uh, of just book writing. In today's corporate world, uh, as a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are juggling, uh, trying to trying to go after a dream or trying to step into your destiny, and deal with what's going on right now in your life. And I think of the uh, children of Israel in the wilderness, is or even mm-hmm. in Egypt. It's always some other thing. That you have to deal with, even as you're trying to go after what you know you really are supposed to be doing. So, for for those who are faced with that in the corporate world, the corporate world is extremely demanding, and it pulls on yes. our time, our energy, our focus. And there are some senior leaders who, I mean, they make good money, but some of them are like bagging it up because. They wake up at two, three in the morning thinking, "Did I send that email? Did I Absolutely. make that phone call? Did I?" And and, and th- so they they're mm-hmm. not sleeping. Yeah, they 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 they're very senior, but it's like they never get to rest, just worrying about one thing after the next. 
I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you for our listeners who might be there right now, Tracy, what was life, yes. life like for you at the corporate management levels? Some people aspire to that. They think it's just all golfing and people going to lunches and people looking up to you. But there's a flip side to it. What, what was life like for you at those corporate management levels? Absolutely. Um, I began a pretty intentional course of of action in, in needing or wanting to grow within corporate America somewhere around age 25 or so and went into banking, actually had graduated from college, left the communications piece and began the, the financial piece in credit collections, customer service in Wilmington, Delaware, where that just kind of took off um, because of the tax laws, wonderful tax laws. So all of you big banks, many of them I'll say, I won't say all, but many of your big, larger banks uh, were headquartered and may still be in Delaware. So um, throughout that time, over I would say maybe a 20-year or so, 20, 25-year span of time, I grew um, in, in my professional walk. It is not necessarily easy, and just like you say, sometimes we're looking at at what looks to be this wonderful picture of suits and 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 big money and prestige and uh, leadership and so on and so forth. But it costs to get to that point. And I'm not talking about anything for my. This is my personal testimony. Not anything negative or. Uh, underhanded, but you do. You work those long hours. You come in early. I, some days I would get to work at six six thirty. Sometimes I may not leave. I wouldn't leave until after that time, twelve hours later, because I had a course of action that I wanted for my life, and there were certain things I wanted to experience in my life, which had to do with the American dream. So you know. You, you take all of what you learn, and, and you're smart to do that from the beginning to the very end. You know, you take everything that you learn, you put it to use, you build on it. You set a foundation for yourself, and you have to build on that in order to realize that particular dream. Does it always come out the way you want? No. It didn't for me. I, I, I grew, I'll say, exponentially. <laughs> Uh, in in corporate America for those 20 years. And at the end of, of the 20-year span, somewhere around 2006, I was laid off from an excellent uh, company, but I was burnt out. I had had my fill, mm. and I really entered, by that time, enter in the beginning of Metamorphosis Incorporated and nonprofit. Because my my likes, my my intentions, everything about life in that that regard began to change for me, and I wanted to be able to help people. And furthermore, I was very much involved in in, and I'll say it this way: steeped in ministry, and um, was about to begin my second pastorate. So. I had a totally different outlook, but I took everything that I learned from corporate America and I applied it 
within ministry, within the nonprofit, so on and so forth. Wow. Yeah, you know what, and and that's another thing. Mm -hmm. If you're in a situation, maybe it's a job, you don't think that's really your destiny. If they have any training programs or networking Mm -hmm. or conflict resolution that you can take for free, I recommend taking those wherever you are to get get something out of it. Now, (laughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. this is something I definitely – want to ask you, we're not there now, sure. we were in 2008, 2009, and mm-hmm. this world being what it is, we will probably maybe experience it, if not in our, the times we're here in a physical uh, body, but somebody else who might be listening who's younger might, uh, and if they don't, if it's something that's not massive, but it happens to somebody, this can be a very difficult thing to move through. So uh, before we go on to to your services and your book, what advice can you share with someone, Tracy, who's experiencing a job layoff today? A lot of times just the fear. You hear about these women coming out with the sexual abuse charges. A lot of people won't even speak up about a lot of things because they're afraid, oh, my God, I might lose my job. But what advice can you share with somebody who's experiencing a job layoff? I know I was laid off during the Great Recession, and that, that can really... Test your faith. <laughs> are there yes, are there yes. things that, mm-hmm. that somebody can do who might be dealing with that? They might just flip to this show when it's in archives two years from now, and something you say might be a tremendous help to them. But are there things that a person can do to make the the experience less painful and to use it to really start to awaken more? Sure, I think you hit the nail on the head or at least scratch the surface when you you spoke about um, when you have the opportunity to learn and you're in positions, whether it's corporate America, whether it's a technical job, whatever it is, you take advantage of every opportunity to to gain knowledge so that it is applicable in another situation. You never know. In my my uh, tenure in corporate America, I was laid off at least four to five times. Wow. Oh, my God. Right. And I'm almost thinking, did she know this? (laughs) Maybe maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but it's okay. And so when, when that happens, what I remember is that we had opportunities to either, you could stop working sometimes at a given time, or they would allow you to stay and, and, and help with the next transition, every time they allowed me to stay and work with the next transition, that's what I did. And I gained more information, more knowledge, and I was able to take it and, again, in that foundation, build on that foundation. See, So when, when you're, you're going through that, that's one, one of the things. The other thing is that you have to prepare yourself. When they tell you they're giving you a severance, package if you don't have a savings you need a savings because and if you don't know about unemployment and so on you need to learn what what your your benefits are because you may not be as fortunate as I was and in most cases all but one case when I was leaving a job I had another one lined up and I was off for maybe two weeks maybe a month and I was moving into the wow. next later wow. job and I'm telling you at the layoff, I was moving from that 
that particular point into something greater. So it, it also depends on your mindset, see? And, and if your mindset is, I've been laid off, I don't know what I'm going to do, and, and, and I'm going to sit home and brood and, and all that kind of thing, that's not going to work. And I'll tell you what I know, it just will not work. So you've got, you've got to have yourself together. You see, and sometimes you don't see it coming. There was a time or two I didn't see it coming, but I knew I had something I needed to be able to fall back on. And, and I think if we, we get into talking about transformation, that's where that comes in, you know, in, in a number of ways. In order to be able to change that mindset from, okay, this has happened, I got to pick up the pieces and I got to move on, you know. So you got to prepare yes. yourself in a number of ways emotionally financially, even I'll say spiritually, if you will, um, you know, in order to be able to make the next pertinent and intentional move for your life. You know, that that going forward is is that's mm-hmm. what's scary. They say you've got to bury that old person, that old experience if you're gonna move forward and that is so scary for our egos to do that. It's just it, it you have to trust God to do that. Um, so how did working? You said you used everything. You used whatever experiences you were going through in the corporate world, and you survived these layoffs, and my, I tip my hat to you. How did you go from working in management to still have the courage, Tracy? You would think after that second layoff you would be like, i got to do whatever these people tell me to do so I don't get laid off. Just, just whatever they tell me to do. If they tell me to work eighteen hours a day, I got to do it. I, I, but you didn't seem mm-hmm. to take that approach. How did you go from working in management in the corporate world to being a transformational coach and book author? How did you make that transition, and where did you get the courage to do it? Okay, let's let's go back to you use the key word there, uh, ego. And then after you spoke about ego, you talked you spoke about allowing God to do some things. Well, that's that's dichotomous in a way because when we, we're working with ego, I'll say flesh, that that part of ourselves, and then when we, we're talking about God, Allah, Buddha, whomever you're, you're, that person or that, that being is to you, that is the deity within you. And when you allow that to outweigh that fleshly part of yourself, that subconscious part of yourself that tells you you cannot do it, then you'll go somewhere. And that's what I had to fall back on. That was that was my spiritual upbringing and, and my teaching, and I continue to teach it, that let me um, – and is it, is it okay if I go scriptural on you right, right about now? Go right ahead. <laughs> okay, so when we're in Romans 12 and 2 – and we're we're told uh, Paul writes that we should not be uh, conformed to the, this world and in, in worldly ways of thinking. And please don't think that I'm talking about what you got on and, and all that kind of thing. Whether or not you listen to to R and B, whether that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lower way of living. But to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, there's that mindset again. Okay, it's continuously moving, continuously. Converting transformation always is in in motion. It is dynamic. So that's where that came from. For me, it had been taught to me from an 
infant. That was my way of the teaching that I had. And as I learned more, it seemed to be common sense. And I'm I'm almost a, uh, a little um, reluctant to use that, that terminology, but I, I, for lack of a better term, it was just a thing to do. So it was a part of me. It was it was teaching that that I could I could conquer anything, sub subdue it, overcome it, master it, and move on. Is it always easy? No, it is not. But if I allow that egotistical part of myself to be number one, that's where the issue is really going to come in. So you have to have to get beyond that angel devil thing angel on one one shoulder devil on the other see that's the way that i see that i hope i answered your question no you did and then you just just that that like you said the 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 walking by sight mind you have to come out of that because by the time we the thing we see it starts in the unseen so by the time you see it, it's it's you it's old anyway. You so you trusting in something that you it, things are created in the in the realm of the unseen, and it, but it is still mm-hmm. tough to, to 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 navigate both realms and to yes. trust when things that you see with the flesh eye don't look so good. It it can be That's at times fun. times tough, and I, I appreciate what you shared. Especially with uh, anybody who might deal with a layoff or a job loss, learning about the unemployment, when should you file? These are some everyday steps you can take to start to reduce, reduce, reduce the fear in you, so you can start to move forward. Can you tell us now, okay. Tracy, about you have this new literary project with the SIBT mm-hmm. Literary? Can you tell <laughs> us about this new project? Yes, indeed, is. <laughs> It's a joy to me. Um, Sister, I've been there too, but I came back to get you. It is a compilation of nine, I'm going to say testimonies. You can call them stories, offerings, whatever. And it it has been such a labor of love that actually started with a um, conversation between uh, me and Pastor Valerie Howard, Jones and we are the 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 co-partners and and literary I'll say it this way because I feel like I can today literary geniuses behind this this particular <laughs> book <laughs> and what we okay. found is two women and we had been friends forever um, lost contact and then some twenty twenty five years later we reconnected and on one Sunday night both of us being women in ministry and at the time were serving under uh, a pastor, and we're not pastoring ourselves, but serving. We would on Sunday nights get together, talk, have a service today, and so on. You know, just kind of catch up. And I was the one who was in crisis, and said to her, um, "I'm having some issues." And it was actually about a, a love relationship at the time. And we just got to talking about life, some things that we had not spoken to each other about, and. Out of that conversation came, I've been commissioned to write a book. And she says this to me, and I'm like, girl, me too. And we just got to talking, and the name of my book is this, and the name of my book is that. 
And so Sister I've Been There Too really got its start at the in somewhere in the fourth quarter of say two thousand four. So it has been it's been quite a a, a laborious um situation because we we needed to get the right group of people to write for this book. And we did that in I think it was two thousand fourteen. Okay, is this something the the literary group is it a are you guys creating books like the, that help educate and teach women or are there other services that are offered through the literary group like editing, book review services, et cetera? Not yet. We we're not offering those services yet, although we are we're working towards that. Now, what in our writing and I and I I got off the track a minute. Sister, I've been there too. The book is is about our testimonies and what's uh, I think unique about them because I don't think I've seen this yet is that you've taken a group. There are eight women and one man who talk about things that happened in our lives, but we could not take those things to the church. Because, okay, because they were those things that, you know, sometimes pastor gets up and and talks about and kind of throws off because he's had a counseling session with uh, brother so-and-so or sister XYZ, and then it becomes Sunday morning's topic for the or the young yeah. lady has gone to, let's say, the mothers of the church, the missionaries of the church, the secretary, whomever, the first lady, and then people are beginning to whisper about her deep, deepest, darkest secrets because she needed help. Well, we've, we've been there. We've been through some things because in this book you're going to find molestation, and more more than one of us wrote a, a piece about that or or alluded to it. You're going to find the sister who was married to the man who was on the down low, okay? And in ministry, mind you, you're going to find with the brother, the brother who was who was trying his best to be a good father and, and working in a blended family, but the wife was cheating on him. And then, lo and behold, well, I'm not going to tell you everything. Because it, there's a lo and behold. Get the book. <laughs> so find out the the lo and behold, and then you're going to find find the the young lady who was in a a relationship during her teenage years with a young man, and because she wouldn't sleep with him, he was beating her up. See, okay. Wow. Then you find the, the the mother who lost her only son to murder and how she dealt with that, mm. or you find the 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 young lady who is so steeped in church, and she is such a church girl, but she's the one who had the abortion. Who was she yeah. going to go talk to about that? Right. And and everything that I'm saying to you, each one of the authors had a situation or situations where they wanted to talk to somebody in the church, but they just didn't feel that they could. And so then there comes this, this barrage of feelings and emotions and, and ways that we acted out 
and then we were in other relationships, and sometimes the men in our lives didn't understand why we were the way we were because we had this stuff deep down rooted in us that needed to be broken up. Well, guess what? Sister, I've been there too. And not only that, Mm. I came back to get you. So we're open. So I guess if, if there was a service right now that the SIBTT Literary Group is providing, it would be the opportunity to talk, the opportunity for us to minister and administer to uh, hurting souls because we're open. That That's what you've got here. You don't have a, a group of, of people who uh, will will look down on you because we're writing from and talking from statistical areas because and let's go back to the abortion piece. Does abortion happen in the church? You better believe it. And it does happen among women in the church. It happens among men who have gotten uh, women pregnant, sometimes outside of their marriage or before marriage or whatever. And rather than bring that to the church, the baby is aborted. Statistics show it does happen, whether it's in the mosque, whether it's in the temple, whether it's in the sanctuary, you know, it does happen. So mm-hmm. that that's where we are at this point in time. But we're growing. We're 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 um I think we're beginning to soar. Okay. Okay. Now <laughs> tell us about sister sister to sister. So you're helping okay. the services are geared to helping women and particularly women who are in any type of situation from any any background and and so I think one of the what I'm hearing from you is one of the ways you do it is to say let's let's remove the shame and so you can uh, yeah. stop hiding. I read this book by um I can't think of her name. She was on um Three's company, Suzanne. I can't think of her name Suzanne right Summer. now but um mm-hmm. Summers. Mm-hmm. keeping secrets. She said she just decided her father was had alcoholism and she would just mm-hmm. lie about her childhood and how abusive it was. And she wrote this book decades ago titled Keeping Secrets. She said mm-hmm. she just decided she was not carrying that baggage. She wasn't carrying that weight with her no more and how freeing it was. Uh, and that sounds like that's part of your the work that you're doing. Let's just stop keeping the secrets and carrying that baggage around. You're not the only Absolutely. one. And so... Um, I've been helped and I want to help you Now so in that same Vein or spirit Can you tell us about Sister to Sister And what inspired you to take on This book Okay sure Now Sister to Sister A Guide for African American uh, Girls Was The the brainchild of Linda Ellis Eastman The uh, president of the Professional Woman Network and um, at a time when I was beginning to build my business, I was looking for um, a way to become more visible, and just happened up on that organization, and they were looking for authors for this this new book, and um, I was be budding with 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 the um, piece about blogging, so. I thought I had, there's that voice. I, I knew I had something to share because I thought back to my own teenage years and, and being a girl, and I wrote a 10-page, I think it was a 10-page, 10, 10, 12-page piece called I Love Me, A Journey to Self-Awareness 
and acceptance from overweight and fearful to fit and victorious. So that's that's where that came in. It, it was an opportunity to talk about, uh, believe it or not, childhood obesity. And that, that's something that's very dear to me, and it is also um, what I've been following throughout my my master's and my Ph.D., uh, obesity. And, and I took it from the standpoint of a, a young girl who had been sexually molested by a family member and what happened to her in the aftermath. What happened was she was molested, didn't think she could tell anybody, wore the mask at an early age, just what you, you just spoke about. She kept that secret for, for 25 years until she was 33, and when she finally told her parents what had happened to her. And in those 25 years where she found her comfort in all of that fear was through potato chips, popcorn, sodas, cookies, cake, you name it. And she became a chubby child. And Mm -hmm. so Me Too, Me Too wasn't around then. And there's there's another one of those stories. She didn't know who she could tell. She could have told her parents, but she was afraid. So yeah. you know, she she didn't know how to love herself. She knew her parents loved her, but she didn't know how to say anything about that. So that's what I write about. It was my journey. All of that was about me. So silence wow. is not, and I, I write write of that. Silence is not always golden. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and you, where where I often wonder where does that come from in us? This fear that. We're going to be rejected, and some people right. do reject and manipulate. They do. Where does it come from, though? Because everybody is not going to do it. So you have to find, yeah. even if you like a sealy in the color purple, even if you just mm-hmm. write it, write a letter or in your journal, dear God, you got to get mm-hmm. it out some kind of way. So if you say, I don't trust nobody, I've had other people manipulate me or take my story mm-hmm. and spread it around. So. I'm just gonna write in my journal. I'm just gonna write some letters to God. I, I you got I gotta express it and get it out instead of keeping it all yeah. a, a big old secret but just get bogged down in me. How did you find the writers who contributed to the book? How did you I know you said this was a, a, a woman named Linda's brainchild, but how did y'all come up with the writers who contributed to this book? How do you so say, okay Yeah <laughs> I you know Professional Woman Network is is huge. It is an international entity, and so at the, um, when I'll say it was a clarion call, if you will, I actually received an email from I don't even remember from who. That was back in 2010. I wrote in 2011, and I don't know. Just a number of women, evidently. If they were not already members of the organization, somehow or another they they caught wind or just got the information and news that this book needed to be written, and so they came together. We came together and we did it. We didn't actually all meet each other until I think it was that year, 2011, at a Professional Woman Network um, event. And all of the authors for all of those various books that had been published that year, we all met one another. And then we sectioned off her book 
you know, and then we were able to to talk and and various other things with one another in regards to you know the book. Okay, and now Tracy, there has been yeah. a lot, and we've talked on it here um, on this show about the importance of positive self-esteem. There's mm-hmm. been so much written about this. You hear people in the church writing about, you know, how God sees us to see yourself the way God does instead of somebody else, whether you're in domestic violence and somebody keeps telling you you're nothing and you start believing it, you have to believe what God says about you. After all these right. years, Tracy, why do you think it's still a struggle for us to develop and hold a positive self-esteem? I believe that that happens because of the uh, outside influences, maybe not so much with family, although that kind of negativity does happen within families, but I believe that those influences from outside, say media influences or even community influences are what drive a lot of people. Um, For instance, uh, I'll go back to the obesity piece. And when you have little girls who, your young girls and teenage adolescents or whatever, um, who never see themselves represented in magazines, on their websites that pertain to their age group, to television commercials, so on, um, then, you know, you, you've always got this quagmire of negativity that, that happens. And we too quickly or very quickly jump on what we believe to be the status quo. Well, everybody's doing it, so this is the way it must be. I think that's what holds us captive and and puts us in bondage many times um, because we're trying to be like everybody else, you know. And whatever everybody else is, that's what we want to be, you know. And so it, we want to be accepted. Takes, we want to be accepted. Yeah. You're right. It, it, it that you. is a that is a hard one. I people who I thought didn't have issues with wanting mm-hmm. approval from others, I have later discovered had major issues with it. And that's right. that's what drives some people to work so hard to try to be a perfectionist and never make a mistake. And you, you right. I've looked up to some of these people like, man, they're a rock star until you really get to know and you're like, wow, they struggle with this too. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh my gosh, it's just amazing that everybody is like, it's just, I don't know if there's anybody 100% free of it. It's, And we've, we've been taught this for centuries and we still as humans still struggle with it. But uh, yeah, on this we, topic, we then I also want to... <clears throat> Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. No, I'm listening to you. You were saying, oh, so um, I wanted to ask you something else about sister to sister. But before I did, for our listeners who they may be struggling right now, they can use uh, some what you share in the sister to sister book or the S I B T T the uh, that book and the other services that you have coming, and then through your ministry as well. Now they say on average humans have about 35 to 48 thoughts per minute, this for our listeners. And that's a whole lot of thinking. You know, we're totally yeah. put on the mind of Christ, and you got to really, really, your your thoughts, they do 
create things. So it's no wonder we're encouraged to meditate, still our mind, be still and remember God. But we still struggle. (laughs) So can you share a few actions, Tracy, for somebody who did, whether they, like you said, dealt with a, a past mistake they made or abuse that they've gone through, what what can people do to quiet our minds more, especially as it regards reducing negative thoughts? What works for me is to get quiet. And I had to learn that because I used to be very, you know, chatty and so on and so forth. But I do know that the best information is delivered to me when I am quiet and I'm devoted to being quiet, intentional about it. So whether that means that you're meditating, whether you're you're in prayer or even both, I believe it's important to develop those, I'm going to call them skills. It's important to do that. And it is important to hear from the divine spirit on the inside of you. And to move in that vein, because sometimes you don't need to hear what everybody else is saying to do. And believe it or not, yes, I am saying that life coach that I am, pastoral counselor that I am, yes, I am saying that. You you have to get in touch with who you are authentically as well. Because there again, there's that piece where we're trying to be like everybody else. And so we're still in we're still in a you know, um I'm I'm gonna say it this way, it's an old word. We're in a tizzy about it, you know. Mm. And yeah. we don't get to know who Authentically, if if we if enough of us did that, then we'd be a, a happier world of people. Honestly, that's the way I see that. So, I, I just honestly know that we have to get to know who we are. We have to be able to to hear um, divinely hear. You know, well, and I, that comes in, gotta, in listening. Mm-hmm. Yes, being still, and even that doesn't mean you're praying or listening to gospel or whatever music. You just sometimes mm-hmm. just maybe come home and sit on the sofa. Some people that's hard mm-hmm. to do. I knew a lady I used to go to church with. She said she'd just go in the bathroom and sit on the toilet. Yeah, or sit on the mm-hmm. front porch or sit on the back porch. Some people taking a walk. Mm-hmm. Now, how long were yeah. you serving as a transformational life coach? Even if that's what you continue to do, but how long were you doing that before you founded Metamorphosis Incorporated? Well, Metamorphosis Incorporated came first. Actually, what was happening? How I I I'll put it this way: how I metamorphosized into being a transformational life coach is because I was uh, counseling uh, through ministry. I was doing that and. I found out about becoming a coach and so on, and I began to pursue that, and I began to make myself knowledgeable about the coaching profession and so on. So actually, Metamorphosis Incorporated came first, and I continued on with that that um, counseling piece, and then the Transformational Life Coach 
developed out of that actually because I did not, and, and I actually ended up going back to um, for my master's degree because one of my mentors encouraged me to do that. Because see, in America, in the United States, you do not have to be certified in order to operate as a life coach. But I wanted the credibility and and all behind my name, so I was encouraged to go back to school. Therefore, the master's degree in counseling in studies in human behavior, and then human what does services. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. But what does a transformational know. coach do? What is what what does a transformational coach do? <laughs> a transformational coach helps people and guides people along in making conversions within their lives. For instance, the 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 very word itself, uh, trans transform means to um, to change to change in form or appearance or maybe even to uh, change in a particular structure or even I'll go back to that word to metamorphosize. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. I'm not going to get into the butterfly because everybody knows that story about what happens with with the butterfly, butterfly, how it's a caterpillar and it it goes through all of those, those changes. But there are a number of things that in our lives that we have to and need to make a change from, we need to convert the change from one type of, of being in ourselves to the greater being, okay? Babies don't stay babies forever. They become toddlers. From toddlers, they become children. From children, they become adolescents. From, from, from that point, they become, you know, the lifespan says you become a young adult, then a middle-aged adult, then an elderly adult, and so on. So there's, again, there's always a transformation, and so it is with our lives. And so when you have a person who says, I just don't think I can make it, I need help in order to, how do I do this? You have coaches, you have counselors, you have therapists. I'm the person who helps guide you along. I don't exactly tell you what to do. But I guide you along, and and, and in guiding you along, I'm finding out everything that I can about you to find out why you behave the way that you do. And then we work on a plan of action to move from from point A to point B and on, you know, further on. Now, with with the coaching, I'm certified as a, a life coach, and I am also certified for neuro-linguistic programming as well. So that works with, with our, our brains and working with that subconscious mind and, and how we block things out from that point. And in our conscious mind, that's why we stay stagnant. So my, my thing is to help you to get rid of the blockage and to move on. And I'm always looking wow. to help you yeah, move from, from the low level to the next level, to the next level, never downward. We never want to go backward. We want to go upward yeah. and onward. What, At are, that level. What are some signs? Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 
I have so many questions to ask you, and we're not going to get to all of them because we only have five minutes mm-hmm. left. But what are some mm-hmm. signs? You just you just mentioned something. You're coaching. You have a lot of training that I would say a lot of life coaches might not have, the brain training for one. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. What are some signs, Tracy, for our listeners who they may want to work with you, and I want to ask you next about the services that are offered within Metamorphosis Incorporated and, and, and with your coaching. But what are some signs that a person can look for that they are blocked? You you talked about those those blocks, those subconscious blocks. Are there some signs, or would, would a person not know? They might have blocks and just not know it. They may have blocks and not know it. And then there are there's some outward signs also, like um, stagnation. You you just you get complacent where you are, you know. And you, sometimes you know that you can do better, but you just don't. And that happens to a lot of people. There's depression. There's all kinds of acting out. And then, again, let's even go back to the emotional eating that I talked about. I work with, and in, in the past have really worked with, young women who have been sexually molested, young women who are overweight and obese, and even girls who have had those same type of things. So there are a number of things that happen with them. You know, the behavior changes whether they become withdrawn or whether they become promiscuous. It could be any one of those things, or whether they begin to eat. You see that your child all of a sudden starts eating more and more and more and growing and growing. You need to get to the root of that. That's not normal. That's not normal. And, And it doesn't necessarily mean that something bad has happened to them. Maybe they just like the sugar, but you need to understand why that is happening. My mother couldn't understand why all of a sudden this regular-sized child of hers began to shoot up, and all of a sudden she had hips and she had breasts. Something had taken place on the inside of my psyche. Mm. So we have, to be, we have to be aware. We have to be aware of, of what's not normal. And, and, I, okay. and I'm trying to, trying to hurry because I know that your time is limited. No, no, no. You, 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 you're good. So, but signs that you know, you, you said signs that you might be blocked for our listeners. You, you know, you yeah. can do better, but you, you, you're, you're, you're stuck. You're stuck in a domestic violence relationship. You know, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be hit. You're scared, but you don't feel like you got the strength to leave either. So you just stay and put up with it, or you're in a bad financial situation, and you just like a beaver. No matter how hard you work, you just bury. And you don't know how to get out. You don't know how to get out. But you, you don't know can. how to leave a job that you hate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we're in the age of living in the age of information. At this point in time, there are so many. I'm not going to say too many, but so many resources that that are available for for people to get out of those kinds of situations. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it is. You know, you said you used domestic violence. Whether it's that, it it could be a number of things, but there are so many resources available to us. We just have to make the move to make it happen. When we get tired of being, put it this way, we get sick and tired of being sick and and tired, that's when we move many times. Coming out of that complacency again. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully for our off-the-shelf guests, you won't have to bottom out or hit close to bottom. 
you can read a book like Sister to Sister, a guide for African American mm-hmm. girls, even if you're yeah. from another culture or SIBTT, and something Absolutely. like that can awaken you. So you don't have to, you don't have to go into some awful traumatic experience uh, before mm-hmm. you wake up. And for some people, even a tremendous trauma won't shake them out of it. So that's where somebody like you, right. a transformational coach, can come in and really. Help Absolutely. somebody. Can you tell our listeners, uh, Tracy, want to thank you for being here with us this morning. How can people get a copy of your books? Uh, where can they get copies of your books and learn about your transformational coach services? Okay. Uh, for for Sister to Sister, um, you can uh, log on to or uh, pull up, I should say, um, TracyBooker.com, and it's uh, Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, B-O-O-K-E-R dot com and all of the information is there from page one. You can you can find that information. Now for sister, I've been there too. You can visit us at or I'll give you the order link and that is S like Sam M like Mary O R E dot com forward slash zero two R H J or you can uh, also order on our website, and that is sibtt2004.org. That is Sam I Boy Tom Tom 2004.org, and you can find all of uh, my available literary works on those two uh, websites there. Mm-hmm. And where are you and, on social and, media? Where can people? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you can find me on on all the biggies: Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find me. I'm on Facebook at um, Metamorphose, and that's M E T A M O R, the number four S, on Facebook, or Tracy Book Tracy M Booker. You'll find me there. And you will also find information for the SIBTT Literary Group um, on Facebook as well at SIBTT LG 2014. Okay, we want to thank Tracy Booker for being here with us again. She is a, 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 a contributor to Sister to Sister Guide for African American Girls, SIBTT. She is a transformational coach and president and CEO of Tracy Booker Enterprises and executive director of Metamorphosis Incorporated. I really encourage you, if you're feeling stuck, to seek some help. There's something that, as Tracy said earlier, could be going on in your subconscious mind, so it's hidden from you consciously. You're not consciously aware of it, but it will only let you go so far. And when you reach that, Mm -hmm. that gate or that wall, It'll it'll pull you back, and you you just can't go any further. That's where you might need some outside help. And as she she talked about, and sister to sister, removing the shame, removing the shame about it, because we all struggle have struggled with something. I'm telling you. So there's nothing to be to have to keep a secret about or feel ashamed about. Just help, get the help, like the transformational coach Tracy Booker, so you can go free from this. You can go free from this. And move on, and you'll feel a whole lot better. So we want to thank Tracy Booker for being here with us, and I want to thank each of you, our off-the-shelf listeners. As I always tell you, you are phenomenal. You are amazing. You're incredible. You really are, and you have what it takes. 
you have what it takes to get free and take higher ground. So I encourage you to go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. I'll see you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. when we'll bring you another fabulous off-the-shelf guest. Set a reminder to tune in to Off the Shelf every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. and tell everybody you know, tune in to Off the Shelf Radio at 11 a.m. on Saturdays. Thank you, thank you, Tracy Booker, not only for being on the thank show, you. but for the so awesome, blessed work that you do. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.